This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Also, make sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube original channel, UCTV Prime, available only on YouTube at youtube.com slash UCTV Prime. This UCTV podcast is sponsored in part by Audible.com, your destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available, including many by guests you've heard here on UCTV. Audible.com is offering UCTV podcast listeners a free 30-day trial subscription and one free audiobook download. Just visit audibletrial.com slash UCTV to sign up. That's audibletrial.com slash UCTV. And thanks. When we look at technology, technology extends our limits and offers us almost unlimited choices, things that we almost cannot imagine. They seem like magical, like this uh, genie's lamp uh, from the Arabian Nights, uh, things that we could never imagine are happening, and in future, more unimaginable things will happen. Uh, here, I'll focus on good life. Uh, what does technology do? Technology does a lot of things. It allows us to wage wars, allows us to eradicate famine, produce food. Uh, but I'll focus only on the aspect of good life. How does, what does technology do there? How does technology contribute to a sustainable good life? Not just good life, sustainable good life. Something that we can sustain over periods of generations and centuries. Uh, in what areas can technology contribute more? Uh, and how can concepts from yoga help? So yoga, if it's translated into English, is essentially coherence, which is a term very familiar to engineers and scientists. And so I look at yoga as coherence, so something that brings coherence to our life. So before I start, I'll give you an overview of what we'll talk about. The first few minutes, uh, we'll talk about why sustainable good life, why the sustainable part is so important and it's becoming ever more important uh, when we talk about how we live our life. Uh, then, what is good life? And uh, I'll, I'll describe to you some concepts by using food as a metaphor. Because food is so central for all of us. And we relate to food in a certain way, which is very appropriate for thinking of food as part of uh, an experience. And it's a great metaphor for a good life. And then I'll describe to you seven layers of good life, uh, which come from yoga uh, and stripped off cultural aspects of yoga, uh, so in a vocabulary that is understood by people all over the world. So what are these seven layers of good life? And then I'll describe a concept that also comes from yoga, from coherence, uh, which is how do you take a journey with the least cost? And this is a concept explored for thousands of years in yoga. And how do you go from point A to point B? Say you want to be healthy, or you want to be a great student, or you want to have a new company, and a very successful company, how do you do that journey with the least amount of cost, which I'll describe in a moment uh, as the talk goes on. Uh, how do you stay mindful under stress? Then where are the gaps in technology, and therefore, where are the opportunities for people like you, and also, of course, for me? Uh, where, are, where has technology done a lot? Where has technology uh, not yet fulfilled possible roles? So we'll talk about that, uh, what are new opportunities in technology and what kind of technology will fill these gaps. 
So coming to the topic then, sustainable good life, why is this term sustainable becoming so important? Uh, and of course, as students, as general uh, participants, participants in the information age, uh, these are issues that most of us are very well familiar with. We understand that the energy needs and the energy resources and sources are limited. Uh, if we had unlimited resources, sustainability is not that big a deal. If I have um, millions of dollars, if billions of dollars, how I spend my money doesn't matter. Uh, but we are at a time where uh, energy needs are limited, we realize they are limited, and sources are limited, and there are issues related to environmental issues that are important. The second, globalization of the economy. Uh, countries are no longer isolated. Uh, we have to compete with a global world. Uh, the economy is global, and the question of what is good life becomes more and more important as economy becomes global. Why, why do we work? Right? Why do we build technologies? What does technology do for us? Those are very important questions. Uh, thirdly, everybody wants a good life. You can't have a situation, so this uh, picture from National Geographic of untouchables in India, we can't say, well, you can't have a good life. Good life is only for us. Right? That, that cannot be sustainable. Everybody wants a good life. Everybody deserves a good life. So that puts more pressure on the issue of what is good life. Uh, Next, number four, I'm just describing these five triggers. Next one, the information age and robotics. So the information age where the cost and scarcity of knowledge is essentially disappearing. As well as robotics where things that humans used to do and we almost associated with humans being able to do certain things, will, are they, are, they are already moving into robotics and as uh, you guys come up and de develop new technologies, robots will do things that we associate with human endeavors, whether they're making cars or making or farming or doing all kinds of things. So once these robotics, uh, robots come in and they take over factories and take over jobs that we are normally, then we have to do other aspects. And so what is good life becomes very important when robots are doing things that we used to do. Finally, the fifth trigger, we are living long, and healthcare is a very serious issue. And the healthcare in this country, uh, most people recognize, is unsustainable, the way it is operated. So what kind of new technologies and what kind of new understanding can contribute there? So channeling the resources mindfully becomes very, very important because the resources are limited. And there are more and more participants who want participation in those resources. So, what are some of the solutions? When we look at solutions, uh, the solutions can be global and personal. Right? We can, uh, so any of these solutions, any of the problems related to sustainability, they can be at a global level, where we can say, at a global level, this should be done. But they can also be at a personal level. And I'll focus more on the personal level. So for example, uh, in food, we can focus on global issues like corn-fed beef, big agro. Monsanto, fertilizer, we can focus on that, but we can also focus on how do I eat? Because I have a little more control over that than deciding uh, big policies of governments and nations. Right? Those are also important, but I have direct control over how I eat. Uh, coming to environment, we can focus on global issues of Kyoto protocols, carbon emissions, all these things, meetings in Davos, but I can also focus on how do I consume? How do I live my life, right? 
similarly, in healthcare reform, we can focus on big companies, insurance companies, medical technologies, but I can also focus on how do I eat, how do I rest, how do I exercise, how do I live. And we can also focus on trade policies, international trade policies. Those are global issues. We can also focus on how do I spend my dollars. Right? So we can look at solutions from a big perspective, and sometimes those solutions are very difficult to grasp. And it seems like, well, only these top-level politicians and business people are actually involved in that. But we can focus on issues that are personal or within our family, within our friends, within groups like this. Right? And that's where I want to focus on. What can we do ourselves? Uh, so before we do that, we, of course, have to know what is my definition of good life. And I'm not going to give you a blueprint of your good life. I'll give you some structures to think about. And a very good metaphor for thinking about good life is the food pyramid. Because the food pyramid allows one to look at food, which is very central to all of us, as a number of layers. So you can see this is a Harvard uh, Public Health uh, Program's food pyramid. There are a lot of pyramids, but they all basically cover the following essences, that you need certain basic foods, you need some protein, some carbohydrates, some fats, then you need some grains, some fiber, uh, you need some nuts. Uh, so you can see over here uh, various kind of elements that are suggested to have a good, sustainable, healthy food. Now, if one goes beyond food, in fact, if one goes into issues that one thinks of like Ayurvedic concepts, which where we realize the body is actually more than flesh and bones and just organs. The body has blood, it has the lymphatic system, we have our brain, we have a nervous system, we are conscious, we are conscious beings. What kind of foods contribute to that? So the food pyramid stops at just the body, uh, the flesh and bones. So one can think of the higher level, maybe ginger, garlic, turmeric, things that affect higher level concepts of the lymphatic system, the nervous system, the brain health, those are also part of good life, uh, or good eating. Now, if one in eats in this manner, in, one eats in a manner where all these elements are brought in, the food chain becomes more sustainable. The farmer doesn't just produce beef that is produces corn that goes into the beef and then you eat it. That's okay also, but why not other things? So if you eat according to the food pyramid and then you add things that are more than the food pyramid, the farming is sustained because the farmers have opportunities to sell products to you. They have, you have farmers markets where foods that are sustainable to the earth come into picture and you don't have one type of farming only. Right? Uh, and of course, uh, some of the, like if you go to Ventura County, some of the farming that is done is very, very sustainable. There are very small farms. If you look at the farms in uh, Ventura County, just out of Ventura, they are such tiny farms. And you compare them to farms in Midwest, where uh, in Michigan or Iowa, which are huge farms, 10,000 acre farms producing corn that goes into uh, to feed cattle. Uh, there are different ways of doing the same thing. And the, the farming that involves this food pyramid and these higher level of food inputs are more sustainable. So as part of the food pyramid, which food pyramid is a very good way to provide a very quick concept. And I'll develop a similar pyramid type of approach to the good life. So just like in the food pyramid, I have to have a number of different elements that I need to eat 
And those elements sustain my body. They sustain the farmer. They sustain the market. They sustain the soil. They sustain the water system and the air system. Uh, when we look at food, of course, we very important part of food is reading the label. What is in the food, the ingredients? Uh, of course, the cost, how much does it cost? But where the food pyramid and the food labeling has stopped is, what is the cost in joules? If you buy something, do you know how much it costs in joules? How much did it cost in energy, in water, uh, environmental impact? We don't know that often. You have to do a lot of search to find that. Then what is the cost in residue removal? What is the social implication of producing this kind of food? And what is the healthcare implication of consuming this kind of food? Yep. Uh, so similar approaches I'm going to take over now and talk about uh, good life. So what is good life? Here is the one concept of good life. Right? Um, uh, a, a beautiful woman with diamonds and wearing a chihuahua. Right? So that's, uh, that's a certainly good life. Uh, caviar and uh, fast boats. And uh, at, at this uh, bottom right, you see some, you know, one of the gold Bugattis, right? So it's uh, not only Bugatti, but gold Bugatti, right? So, and uh, beach houses. So this is good life. This is certainly good life, right? If, I, if I, I was able to live like this, I think it would be pretty good. But this is not enough, right? This is not enough. It's like just eating steak every day. So this kind of good life is eating steak every day. It may be very expensive, maybe the best steak in the world, uh, maybe it costs like $100 for an ounce, but that's not sustainable. Good life can be very costly, it can also be free. And that's important to recognize. When a lot of the six billion of us are wanting to have a good life, we can't just have costly good life. So this is important what you see there, but Simple things like what we just did are equally important. They can produce enormous pleasure. So let's uh, continue. So I'm going to describe to you these seven layers of good life, uh, which start from physical wellness, and I'll go one by one through all of them. So very first one is physical wellness. I want to be physically well. I want to have a healthy body. I want to have a house that is safe, sheltered. I want to be physically well. I, w I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be hungry. I don't want to be thirsty. That's physical wellness. The second one, I want to have creativity in my life. Creativity is a very important part of good life. I want to have creativity in life. I want to be able to create things, create music, create art, create technology, create all kinds of wonderful things. The third aspect is I want to have a multi-dimensional life. I don't want to have a one-dimensional life because one-dimensional life is eventually not sustainable. And of course, you add so much if you have a multi-dimensional life. And I'll talk about each of these in a moment. Then I want to have love in my life. I want to have connections. I want to have friends. I want to have a family I love who loves me. I want to be able to connect with others, have empathy with others. and. Uh, have responsibility for others, and others take care of me. So I have to have this connection. The next one, I want to be able to express what is in my mind. If I'm thinking of something, I should be able to say it. I should not feel suppressed. If I feel suppressed, I'm not able to talk freely. I'm not able to express myself freely. And that is, I'm missing something from my life. The next one is self-reflection. I need to know myself. I want to know who I am. What is my uniqueness? What is special about me? And how do I function in a journey in life where my uniqueness is nurtured, it grows, my talents, my uh, special abilities are nurtured? I want to know myself. I want to have ability to contemplate, meditate. 
Uh, and finally, I want to feel part of the universe. Right? So all these seven layers are part of good life. The first one, physical, is a little more expensive. And as you go down this list, the cost becomes less and less. And that's an important thing when you're talking about sustainable good life. Okay, so just going over them once more. The first one, first layer of good life, which all of us understand, is the physical good life, right? Physical wellness, sensual pleasures, wellness in my life. So all these athletes, beautiful athletes you see, having good nutrition, access to clean air and water, which is very important, uh, especially for people of the world. Right? Uh, of course, we live in a privileged uh, environment. We have, we take for granted clean air and water, but that's very important in the world. Safe shelter, exercise to be able to strengthen my body, pain-free living. So part of good life is physical wellness. We want to have physical wellness. If I'm not physically well, I don't feel good. Right? It's uh, fairly obvious, but this is not all. So the physical part is important, but it's not all. <coughs> Next, creative, be creative, being able to create things, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's simple. I saw one of the girls here, she had a mehndi, henna on her hand, this, uh, this today I met one of these girls. Being able to create something of beauty. And everybody can be creative, recognizing that, of course, there are these top uh, artists, Bob Marley and Will I Am, but everybody can be creative, recognizing that anybody Anywhere can be creative. You might be a day laborer, you could be creative. You might be a villager in Africa, you can be creative. Uh, you could be working as a, you know, uh, as a grocery clerk, and you can be creative. Recognizing it. So a big part of the good life is recognizing that I need this, and therefore pursue it. So creativity does not have to cost a lot of energy, a lot of money. You can be creative. And if you are creative, it adds immensely to the quality of life and good life. And of course, technology has contributed tremendously to being able to create. Uh, there's Steve Jobs with his uh, Apple, which has been one of the important technologies where, which fulfills our need for creativity. Right? But of course, there are many, many ways to be creative. Third, harmony and balance. It's having multi-dimensional life. Right? Being able to contribute to many things, not just being a student, not just being a sports star, being multidimensional, not just being an engineer, but having a lot of aspects in your life, having multidimensions in your life. Uh, as you can see, simple things can cause, create a lot of pleasure if your life is. So there are some tree huggers here who are trying to create balance between uh, environment and consumption. Um, so having balance in your life. Fourth is connection with others. Right? Uh, when you have friends, your life is enhanced. Right? It enhances even more than if you just consumed a lot of uh, sensual pleasures. Right? So having friendships, having social connections, very important also having responsibilities. Uh, not looking at responsibility, because if you have responsibility, you fulfill your responsibility, you have a sense of, play, uh, a sense of purpose. It's a driving force. So connections to others is a driving force. It's energy just like gasoline for a car. So having that uh, recognition and then enjoying that uh, ability. Again, does not cost a lot. Because in sustainability, the cost is also important. Next is being able to express yourself. Right? 
you could have all the wealth in the world, but if you can't say what you believe in, if you are unable to express yourself, that is not good life. And what kind of technologies allow us to express ourselves? So I'm going to look at all of these from a technology point of view. Being able to express your beliefs, your art, your culture, your dress, whatever you want, being able to express yourself. So if you're able to do that, that is part. And taking the opportunity to express yourself. Not just knowing, well, I can express myself, but making sure every day you try to express yourself. Whether it's in art, poetry, you can write something beautiful, uh, being able to express yourself. The next one, more important, is know yourself. Self-awareness, contemplation, meditation. Do you know yourself? Do you take time to know yourself? If you don't know yourself, you're running a race, you're doing all kinds of things, and then later you realize, you know, that was not me. I was just following others. How do you know yourself, taking time to meditate or find techniques where you would know who am I, what is unique about me? Uh, can technology contribute to being able to know yourself? And I believe it can. Uh, so as we go to these higher levels of uh, good life, you see the technology has not made much of an impact. right? Uh, in meditation, there are very few technologies which will allow you to know yourself. You have to spend time by yourself, meditate, contemplate. And finally, the seventh layer, spirituality. And not just spirituality that may come from a religious uh, approach, but seeing yourself in others. Right? So seeing yourself in the universe, having consciousness that you're part of this beautiful universe. So these are the seven layers. And one of the important things, just like when we talked about the food pyramid, many layers of food. If many layers of food are consumed, the body is healthy, the farmer is healthy, the soil is healthy, the earth is healthy. If only one kind of food is consumed, everything suffers. And the same is in terms of consuming all seven layers of good life. Okay, so when we look at these seven layers of good life, technology has, we recognize technology has contributed enormously. If you look at uh, uh, companies, diverse companies, all the way from energy companies to aerospace companies to, of course, Apple, Google, some of the technology companies, they have contributed to good life in different ways. They've allowed us to be more creative, know more. They've allowed us to travel, learn about different cultures. So technology has contributed enormously to good life. And what we'll start talking about now is where are some gaps? Where are some of the gaps? And where do those gaps come from? And of course, I won't give you the technologies, because I, some of them you will invent. Right? You will come up with these technologies. Where can you contribute in terms of new technologies? So once one realizes this is what I want, these are the good life, one has to take a journey. And in yoga, there is a prescribed way. There's a described way of how do you take a journey with the least amount of cost, least cost. Right? So this is the concept of ashtang, eight limbs of a journey. How do you take a journey? So there are these eight concepts. The first one is know the rules of the journey. Right? Don't take a journey unless you know as much as you can. Like if you drive from here to San Francisco and you don't know the rules of the road, the journey will be very expensive. Uh, have the infrastructure. Have, like if you're in a car journey, have a car that is working, have a road that is working, have uh, your lights, everything working, your brakes should be working. So have infrastructure. Then know how to deal with stress. Because in any journey worth taking, there'll be a lot of stress. Know how to deal with stress. And this is one of the very important parts uh, which is missing. Know how to deal with stress. And in fact, a lot of 
uh, journeys become difficult and expensive because we don't know how to deal with stress. Then next one, have the fuel for the journey, awareness of my strengths, uh, awareness of the outer world's challenge, mindfulness. Again, this is an area where technology has not provided us much guidance or much input, mindfulness. And finally, the ability to let go. It's very, very important in a journey. So if your journey fails, being able to let go. If your journey succeeds, still being able to let go. Neither becoming arrogant nor becoming hopeless. Right? So having that ability to take a journey, enjoy a journey, when the journey finishes, letting it go. Right? That's very difficult. In fact, uh, that's the, one of the hardest things in any journey, having then also optimism in the journey and to make the journey sustainable uh, where my journey helps other people, right? So my journey is not at the expense of somebody else because that's not going to be sustainable. Okay, so we come to technology now. How does technology impact all this? So I've described you seven layers of good life. I've described to you how one takes a journey. Uh, now let's talk about uh, technology. Now, we live in the knowledge age, and in the knowledge age, information and knowledge alone has become, has lost its value. And here I've posed uh, questions you can ask any 10-year-old, and if they have access to a smartphone, which at least in this country most uh, kids have, or the laptop, they can answer these questions. Now, these are complex questions. 20, 30 years ago, such questions would be asked by experts, and they would be answered by experts. Today, a child can answer, they may not, the child may not understand what is behind this answer, but a child can pull up on a smartphone answers to all these questions. Within a minute, from Wikipedia or other sources, you can find answers. So knowledge alone has lost its value. So even though we live in the age of knowledge, knowledge alone is no longer scarce. So I can't say I'm an important person because I know. Knowledge has lost its value. 20, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, very few people knew. Now so many people know. Right? So knowledge, we have to go beyond the knowledge. So the first part of the journey is knowledge, but knowledge is almost free. So knowledge has come to this point where because of Moore's law in semiconductors, intelligent devices, uh, technologies of internet, wireless, and so on, and I just give you as an example the cost of a transistor or one of the semiconductor devices, in 1970 was $5. And today, the cost of one transistor is one billionth of a dollar. Right? Which means for a dollar, you can buy a billion transistors. So transistor, which is a highly intelligent device because of Moore's law and other forces conspiring and pulling and pushing, right? the users wanting things, technologists being able to provide things, uh, knowledge has become uh, everywhere. So the infrastructure and technology and knowledge have lost their value. They're still important. Of course, you need to know that. But you can't say, because I know I'm important, I have a good life, I have, uh, I have to have a good job, because I know. Because everybody knows. Right? You can find out. So knowledge is in the air. In this room itself, uh, which has wireless, uh, I can pull out my smartphone and I can answer all kinds of questions. Things that I have no idea about. Uh, I can... Uh, <coughs> take all kind of questions and answer them. So we have laptops, smart cars, smart offices. So knowledge, the first part of the journey has been fulfilled by technology. Technology has already satisfied the first part of the journey, knowledge and infrastructure. 
So technology is, of course, very, very valuable. Uh, it allows us to do things like what we are doing here, uh, meet, talk to each other, project uh, information, and so on. So in the age of knowledge, uh, scarcity has shifted. So information and knowledge is worth pennies or less than pennies. The knowledge has, the scarcity has shifted, as, as you can see down this uh, chain, information, knowledge, wisdom, being able to act on the wisdom, release the stress from your journey, and accept the outcome of the journey. That's where the scarcity is. So scarcity that used to be in information and knowledge has gone. The scarcity has shifted to these lower uh, points of the journey. Uh, even wisdom is not enough. Because if you may be wise, but you may not be able to act on your wisdom. Okay? Uh, or if you act on the wisdom, you may not know how to release stress. Okay? Or when this journey finishes, you, the journey is still in your head. It doesn't leave you, being a, unable to release. And so that's where technology has to make an impact. Because if I invent another transistor and I push Moore's law further, I'm, I'll certainly add to something. But that's not where the value is. The value is in these lower uh, areas. Uh, so how does technology go there? So this is a uh, cover of a 1983 Time uh, magazine, Stress. 1983. And of course, since then, stress has grown enormously. So the third part of the journey is how do you deal with stress? Right? So the first part was knowledge. We have knowledge, infrastructure. The third part is stress. Right. Uh, in yoga, that is called an asana. So if you go to a yoga class, the yoga teacher will say, take a posture, take this warrior posture. Now, we just did have, ha we did a posture, which was this laughter yoga, but that was not stressful. Right? That was de-stressing. So one of the things about yoga is it places stress on you, shows you how to deal with stress, releases stress. But stress is one of the most important challenges in today's life. Right? Uh, you are stressed whether you are a billionaire so you might work in Wall Street, and you may be a hedge fund manager, and your bonus is $1 billion. You are still stressed. Right? In fact, you may be more stressed. Right? Uh, and if you don't know what to do about the stress, and you may be a student here, and for some reason uh, you get a failing grade in this course, right? uh, a lot of stress. Are you, so students, of course, are in enormous stress because all the time somebody's judging you, right? All the time somebody's saying, you get a D, you get an F, you get an A, you get an A+. Plus. All the time you're being judged. How do you release that stress? Right? So stress is one of the biggest challenges which technology has made very little inroad. Technology has provided knowledge, infrastructure, but nothing on stress. This is a train station in Mumbai, which uh, I, I lived in Mumbai for a few months, and... Uh, I can tell you that's very, very stressful to get into that train and uh, with all these people swarming around you. Uh, there's road rage, there's financial stress, all kind of stress. Uh, and our brain is really wired poorly to handle stress. And so our brain is not natural at handling stress. Uh, in many areas of our brain, we are still very primitive. Right? So we still believe that if something is familiar, it's safe. If something is unfamiliar, it's dangerous. Right? Because that comes from our uh, evolution of our brain. That in the past, maybe thousands of years ago, something that was familiar was safe. Something which was strange was dangerous. But today, you meet somebody, you've never met that person. That person could provide you enormous resources. Right? Could network with you, produce new companies. So this brain is still wired that something that is different from us is dangerous. 
And so we still have things like racism, right? where we find somebody who's different from us and we naturally want to be anxious. We want to distrust them just because they're different. Right? So our brain is still wired that way. Uh, then beyond a certain level of stress, our brain has no idea what to do. It releases all logic, education, so you could be the most educated person, uh, and you could still be under stress, act like a completely ignorant person. Right? I've done that myself, and I realize the brain is so, still so primitive. We still want to hoard when there's no scarcity. Right? It's an amazing thing about the brain that there is no scarcity. We still want to hoard. Right? The brain is wired that way because most of the humanity's history, there was scarcity. The brain is still wired that way. We still eat like there's no tomorrow. Right? Uh, so we eat as if food is just going to go away for the rest of our lives. Right? Uh, if you go into our houses, so you're, of course, students. You don't have that much money right now. But uh, you go into some of the houses in Montecito down there. Right? Uh, you see the stuff they've compiled in their house. Right? Put all this junk in their house. They hoard. Right? So it's very natural for the brain to hoard. And release is very, very difficult. Now, recognizing that that's where technology can help, right? educate and provide. Uh, so our brain never encounters the situation. This gentleman actually wa walked into the Taiwan Zoo. This is a very famous picture uh, from uh, about 10 years ago. And he was a little deranged. He wanted to convert the lion uh, into Christianity. Right? So, <laughs> but uh, the lion didn't cooperate. You can see that. But we, never, we almost never encounter such situations. We never encounter wild beasts. But our brain is still wired like we are going to meet wild beasts. Right? We still react that way. We get angry. We get so anxious. We get so worried. Uh, we are driving on the road, and somebody cuts us off. Our brain goes crazy, as if we met a lion. Right? However, none of that is happening. So the stresses are completely changed. But our brain is completely primitive still. And that's where technology can perhaps help. Now, this zebra certainly needs his instinctive nature to escape. But we are almost never in the situation. Right? It's never that we find ourselves like the zebra has found himself. Right? But yet, our brain thinks the same way. So what can technology do to release stress? And I'm showing you here uh, an, a, a, a website from Pet technology, right? Pets are one of the best ways to release stress for more, many people, right? And the pet technology is now a $50 billion a year technology. It's not a technology, really. I shouldn't call it technology. It's a way to release stress. It's a $50 billion industry just in the US per year, right? Why? Because people find that pets help them release stress, right? There's no equivalent technology, right? uh, There's nothing similar from engineering uh, that a pet can do. Uh, and I was looking at uh, Intel, which is one of the most advanced uh, technology, Intel, uh, with 10, 22 nanometer gates and all these things, and pushing the Moore's law, bringing us all this knowledge. Intel's annual revenue worldwide, not in US, worldwide, is less than $50 billion. Right? And pet industry is $50 billion. So the need for stress relief is so intense. Uh, the fourth part of taking a journey is energy. Right? So how, energy. And of course, energy is very important. Uh, so I was just going one by one over the journey. So the next level, so stress is the third 
part, how to release stress. The fourth is having fuel for your journey. And of course, technology has contributed a lot. Uh, and this is uh, one of the United Nations uh, plot on human development index, how good our life is. Even though it's not based on the seven layers, it's based on education, uh, women's rights, and so on. But it's still uh, useful. Uh, and you can see that energy consumption and good life go almost hand in hand. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that this is a law of nature. This is not a law of nature. It's just an empirical evidence uh, that the way good life is defined, you need a lot of energy to reach good life. Um, so in the US, uh, about 10 gallons of oil, of course, it's not used as oil, but equivalent 10 gallons of oil are needed per person per day to lead the kind of life we lead. Uh, now, obviously, that is going to be difficult if all 6 billion people want to lead the same kind of life. Um, so one has to ask, am I getting the best life for my gallons, for the gallons I'm consuming? And it may be, and it may, maybe it's not. Uh, and certainly, physical wellness does require a lot of energy. But creativity does not, connections do not, contemplation does not. So if you meditate for an hour, it costs almost nothing. On the other hand, if I eat a very expensive meal, it does cost a lot. So by combining these seven layers, one can actually adjust the consumption. So technology has provided a lot of resources and energy. In fact, most of the th a lot of things we do and enjoy would not be possible if the technology of energy was not there. Right? So whether it's uh, fossil fuels or natural gas or uh, coal or uh, power plants of different kinds or renewable sources, technology has been very, very important in providing energy and will continue to provide energy. Right? So technology is needed because we recognize uh, just like our breath, when we breathe, that provides uh, energy is like the breath of life. Right? So energy is definitely needed and it's very important uh, to bring in new technologies. Um, but one can still ask the question in energy, if one person consumes one barrel of oil to live well, how many barrels will nine billion people consume? So is the answer nine billion? Because that's going to be really hard. Is it half billion? Is it 100 billion? Uh, the answer depends on whether your living is coherent or incoherent. And this is a huge area of uh, research and talk, so I'm just, I can spend the whole hour just talking about this, so I'm not going to talk much about it, but I'll just remind you that when we take actions, when we take actions, there are three types of actions. I can take an action which is incoherent, where one action is completely disjointed from the other action. So I go to the gym, I work out, and the next action I take, I go to McDonald's and eat french fries. So those two are disconnected, kind of, right? So. Um, uh, do undo actions. Now these actions are needed because they provide new paths. If you're looking for new paths, these kind of actions are needed. But a coherent action is one where every action reinforces the previous action. So that's a coherence where there's phase. Uh, in engineering we use the term phase. There's phase coherence. So every point is coherently connected to the next point. So every action, and when that happens, the cost of an action becomes minuscule. Right? So if you take coherent actions, you can take your journey from point A to point B with almost no use of energy, no use of uh, energy or resources. So incoherent action, one plus one becomes four, and one plus one plus one becomes nine, and one plus one plus one plus one becomes 16. 
Right? So that's coherent action, and yoga is about coherent action. Right? Uh, so this, of course, one can spend a lot of time talking about this. I don't have that much time uh, to talk about it. But a laser, for example, is a coherent device. A light bulb is an incoherent device. So bringing coherence into our lives can enormously decrease the amount of resources we need. Right? So where every action is connected and reinforces the next action. OK, so to do have coherence, what is needed is mindfulness, right? being in the moment. And if you're not in the moment, if stress takes you out of the moment, you're not in equilibrium, it's a very costly journey. And so being in the moment, and so mindfulness, and are there technologies that enhance our mindfulness? And that's, I feel that's an area where technology can contribute a lot. So thinking about where technologies can contribute, mindfulness, enhancing our mindfulness is a very important area. Uh, now, there are many challenges to good life, and I've listed some of them here. Uh, that Earth doesn't just give us a lot of food. Right? It doesn't just provide us whatever we need. We can't, in the beginning of the talk, I showed you the genie's lamp, Aladdin's lamp. Uh, Earth is not like that. Right? We can't just ask and the genie just gives us. Uh, we have to work, we have to do all kinds of things. Uh, and one of the great challenges to good life is thermodynamics. And thermodynamics basically, one of the, in practical application it says is, if things can go wrong, like Murphy's Law, they will go wrong. Right? So time is not symmetric. Good things just won't happen. Usually bad things happen. Right? And that's, that's how thermodynamics works in a practical sense. Uh, so either we have so much that we get obese, or we have nothing. Okay? So there is a challenge. There, it's either we have too much or we have too little. And to find a balance is very difficult. And that's where mindfulness comes becomes very, very important. There's a tremendous asymmetry in time. It takes enormous amount of resources to build something. It takes just a few hours to destroy something. Okay? And that happens to not only the World Trade Center building, but also to us. Right? We can spend years and years building up a relationship, and we can destroy it within minutes, because time is so asymmetric. Uh, we can spend hours and hours working in the gym, build a fine physique, and spend years building a fine physique, within minutes you can destroy it. You can be a car in a car accident, or you can fall off a cliff, you can destroy your body. Right? So mindfulness is really important. So here I'm going to rate technologies for various competitions, various uh, parts of a journey. So I I'd listed these eight parts. And you can see where technology has not contributed. Number three, response to stress. We still don't have technologies that can release our stress. Right? So if you're stressed, if somebody shouts at you, how long does it take? So if, if you're just walking down, somebody screams at you, shouts at you, insults you, how long does it take to let go of that disturbance? It takes a long time. There's no technology that I can press a button and it takes off my stress. There's no such technology. Uh, will there be calming technologies? Next, awareness of my strength, which is contemplation, knowing yourself. Technology has made very little inroads into knowing ourselves. What kind of technologies could provide that guidance, train us to still our mind? Right? So knowing, to know ourselves, we need to still our mind. And one has to come up with the thought or the question, what kind of technologies can still our mind? And there will be such technologies, and they will come from people like you and hopefully from me too. 
Uh, mindfulness, again, staying in the moment. There are very few contributions from technology where you can stay in the moment. And last one, the ability to release the residue of the journey. That's the hardest part. You take a journey, it lingers and lingers and lingers. And it's like if you drive to the university and you put your, place your car in the parking lot and the car doesn't shut off. It, how frustrating that is. And that happens to us all the time. We go to bed at night and something from the day is lingering and lingering. We can't sleep. Right? So how does one do that? And these are places where technology has not made an imprint, made, made, a, made a contribution. And therefore, there are opportunities. Right? In the first category, rules of the game, knowledge is everywhere. Right? Technology has already provided us a lot of knowledge. But in the last one, technology has done almost nothing. And I should, so I'm rating them out of five. I give it one, but actually it should be zero. So one of the concepts that comes from yoga is the concept of learning from stress. So when, a, when, a, when you go to yoga class, and this is a generic concept, of course we do a posture. You hold the posture, your mind initially is anxious. You do it repeatedly and repeatedly till your mind becomes completely calm. So what yoga basically uses this concept of posture is to take a person into a high stress level, slow down the breathing, try to bring the mind into that moment, and that's a training. It's like a simulation of learning how to be in stress without losing your in-the-moment mind. Okay. So yoga offers a, a solution, uh, and technologies actually use this, such a solution. So if you look at something like a flight simulator, here's a flight simulator. What does the flight simulator do? It places the pilot under highly stressful situations. And after the pilot has gone through this uh, flight simulator, so there could be turbulence, there could be shear, there could be the plane may drop. All those could be simulated on the flight simulator. And after the training, the pilot's mind, the brain has been trained to stay in the moment. So the plane drops 40, 50 feet, the passengers are screaming, but the pilot is calm. And it has to be calm. Otherwise, of course, the, if the pilot also starts screaming, what will happen to the whole thing? So, Part of this technology has to come. So you can see that the flight simulator actually does what yoga suggests. It takes you, takes the pilot, puts the pilot under tremendous stress, and through repeated processes, the brain is rewired. And literally, the brain is changed of a pilot. The pilot's brain is different from the passenger's brain, right? especially pilots who are highly trained and sophisticated. So similar technologies can come into our lives. So that's where technology can make a huge contribution, where the technology can prepare us how to deal with difficult coworkers. Right? So you're working and your coworker is, agitates you, and you know that's bad for you. How do you develop simulation? So there'll be a lot of gaming technologies, in my mind, that's a great opportunity to develop new kind of games, not just for kids to play, but to generate what a flight simulator does. So flight simulators, of course, are very expensive, and only airlines can support them, but technology can make it possible that I would like to have a flight simulator which would train me to not be stressed under situations that I find stressful. Right? Uh, so that's a great area of technology that is to come, because we don't have such technologies except in very specific uh, places. 
technologies for stress simulation and release I just mentioned to you. And with the advent of uh, sensor, merger of sensors and semiconductors, which has brought to us technologies of Wii, Kinect, Xbox, and all these, where our, our motion is intelligently connected to microprocessors. Those are tremendous vehicles to bring new technologies which will make us mindful. And I think that's going to happen over the next uh, few years because stress is the biggest challenge in modern technology, being able to deal with stress and let it go. When the, stress is, the event is finished, completely relax the brain. Right? Uh, and those kind of technology will happen through products like this, but also, of course, a lot of uh, ingenuity. So technology will evolve to educate and advise, just like a person, right? Uh, come to the next level, that beyond information, help with mindfulness, help with stress relief, right? So, so far technologies, some of the advanced technologies are focused on just providing us information or just connectivity, right? Uh, but the next level is release of stress, like the flight simulator I showed you, which is a great example, because that's just yoga done by the pilot. Right? So when, we think, when I think of the flight simulator, I think the, yoga, the pilot is doing yoga, because that's what we do in yoga. You take a person, put them under stress, and then you teach them how to stay completely calm under intense stress. Uh, so technologies will develop to become life coaches, they will uh, basically guide you through how to breathe through stressful situations, how to quickly be able to release stress by contemplation techniques. Uh, and these contemplation techniques, which are available, uh, if you go to a meditation center, they'll teach you a bunch of uh, important contemplation techniques. But this, those could be taught, made, made more available through technology by making them pervasive. So there are enormous opportunities, and I'm going to finish uh, in a few minutes. There are enormous opportunities to design integration for the next level of technology products, which are basically going to focus on the next level. I described these seven. Uh, so intelligence is there, infrastructure is there, fuel is there, being able to deal with stress. That's an opportunity. Staying mindful and, very importantly, letting go of a journey after the event is finished letting go of the journey. So hopefully, uh, you and I will develop these technologies and bring them to the world, because they are very important. Uh, in fact, if you look at stress alone, almost all the difficulties, all the challenges one faces in good life are, can be traced to stress, not being able to release stress, being disturbed by stress. Because if you're not able to deal with stress, then the outcome is often one eats a lot, one may drink a lot, so you use chemicals to deal with stress. Uh, when there are opportunities for learning how to deal with stress without that uh, resorting to chemicals. So these technologies will come, and uh, we look forward to having them coming out of this uh, group, perhaps. And so this is a portrait. This is a, in, in Greek mythology, there's this gentleman mentor, and that's where the word mentor comes from who is like a guide to a young warrior or prince. And so technology that will mentor us, right? be with us, and guide us through stressful situations, allow us to stay mindful, allow us to accept outcomes, and very importantly, allow us to track our elements of seven layers of good life. Make sure every day we enjoy all seven elements of good life, right? starting from physical to creative, 
to balance, to love and connection, to expression, to contemplation, to feeling part of the universe. Right? So these technologies hopefully will come, and uh, they're on the way. Uh, so I'm going to finish with another series of laughter yoga. So let's stand up. And uh, you guys have been sitting for a while. So this will take one minute, two minutes. <clears throat> Okay, so you've already done this, so let's do it again. Uh, and we'll do three breaths. And we'll start out with laughing. So touch your fingers and thumbs and pull your shoulders back and stand tall like your heart is completely open. And your throat is open. And in yoga, when we say we open our throat, which means we lose our fear. When we open our heart, we have love in our heart, right? So, that's, so open your heart, open your throat. So you're looking slightly upward. And let's inhale up. See how good it feels when you reach up. And now prepare to laugh and ha! <laughs> and let's do two more. <laughs> and with all your strength, one more. <laughs> and just release your shoulders and Thank you. Having a computer science BA um, and having a very deep sense of spirituality. I was wondering if that was just kind of came natural to you or maybe the, the adoption of a sense of spirituality was like a reaction to something else that you picked up later in life. Yeah. No, I think I've, I felt that way. I was very fortunate because I grew up in a family where my father was very spiritual. So right from the beginning, I, I was uh, observing my father that he did things slightly differently than normal culture or what one expects. So I think even from, a child, from childhood, I've always felt that uh, you know, having these other elements in your life are tremendously enjoyable. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, often culture dominates, and the culture usually says, well, the sensual element is the most important. Right? But the other elements, and you, if you just try it, you realize it right away. That, you know, the other elements like having good friends who care for you, and you care for them, that's so important. Right? So, a lot of it is empirical. You just, so it's not so much a reaction, it's just, you know, empirically you try it and you realize, wow, this feels great. Right? It's like you try a new food, and you say, oh, this food's great. Yeah? So if you try a new, you know, like uh, you go to an Indian restaurant, you try something, and you say, well, this feels really good, and you incorporate it. And that's how I feel that, uh, you know, one has to be open to new ideas. And then you realize that, you know, some ways of living are very expensive, and they make you feel good. But certain other ways may make you even feel even better, and they're not costly. So a lot of it is, uh, you know, uh, just growing up in the environment I grew up in. I grew up in India, so, you know, in some sense it was a little more insular. And the impact of just a dominant culture telling you, you know, buy this, buy this, buy this was not there. And then as you grow up, of course, you know, you experiment and you realize it makes sense. Something makes sense, some don't make sense. 
Where did you come up with all the different elements of leading a good life? And would you say that they're all kind of weighted equally, or does it depend on a person or what? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, now, this concept of these seven layers is described uh, you know, for thousands of years through yoga. It's not called that. It's very metaphorical. In yoga, there are concepts which are called chakras. And there are seven chakras. But what I've tried to do is uh, strip the chakras of their metaphorical and cultural and some, sometimes dogmatic uh, attributes. And so it comes from that source uh, that the human being is seven-dimensional. It has these seven dimensions. Uh, now, in terms of how you mix them, it does change as you grow. Right? So when you're a young person, when you're young, you may have to focus more on your you know, uh, physical wellness and you may not have time to take responsibilities, and, uh, but as you get older, but I believe myself that at any stage, every day, every day one should participate in all seven elements, even if it's for 10 minutes. Right? So even as a student, uh, one should take a few minutes to meditate, which means you know, just be by yourself, look inward, see where your life is going, think of yourself, what are my uniqueness, still your mind for a moment. You know. So every day, and in a place like Santa Barbara, of course, you know, meditation and spirituality is you just go out and watch the stars at night, and that's spiritual. Yeah. Uh, of course, physical wellness, go to the gym, you have uh, outstanding facilities here. So I, I think every day, all of us, it's like, you know, when you eat your meal, every day they say, well, eat some, you know, proteins, eat some carbs, eat some, you know, uh, have some grain. Every day you eat that way. And you, you can't say, well, you know, one week I'm going to only eat protein, and one week I'm only going to eat, you know, carbohydrates. You need that mix every day. So even at any stage in life, now the relative amount you can shift, right? The relative amount you can shift. Like a football player may need more protein than I do, right? But every day we need all seven elements. And I, that's what I would encourage you to do, you know, to try it. And you'll see that, you know, you'll feel your stress level will be low. You'll feel much better. How would you suggest that we train our minds for creativity? Well, I, I think creativity is, of course, so important in life. The, the most important thing about creativity is being fearless. Right? If you're fearful, it's very difficult to be creative. Right? So being fearless, being able to open yourself, being able to not have fear of ridicule, and failure. Right? So the, I mentioned this element of, uh, which is the eighth limb of yoga, letting go. Right? So if you fail, letting it go. That's a very important. So there are several elements to creativity. You know, uh, one, of course, openness, trying new things. But very importantly, letting go of failure. Right? Because when you are uh, doing the creative journey, you'll fail most of the time. And if that failure starts disheartening you, and you start feeling, you know, I'm not worth anything. So, you know, having that confidence that if I fail, it's just no big deal. Which it is, you know, which is correct. Because if you fail, so what? So, one of the elements I mentioned, learning how to let go, is very, very important. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.